Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers. We'll have a wrap up of the Kentucky Legislature's 2019 session that just ended a little later. Senate Majority Leader Damon Thayer will join us shortly. But first, a real treat for our viewers this morning. CBS News correspondent Steve Hartman is here. He's visiting the region to talk to students and supporters at Georgetown College. It's part of Georgetown's scholarship series. And yes, it has been a huge week for Georgetown College. The Tigers won the NAIA basketball championship. They've celebrated ever since. Ivanka Trump was down the road at the nearby Toyota plant. But things have settled down in time to hear from one of America's very best storytellers. You know Steve Hartman for his often heart-tugging reports on CBS newscasts, and he is among uh, those who inspires us all and who hasn't choked back tears, and we've seen his masterful pieces. Hartman grew up just up the road in Toledo, Ohio, where he also started his career, worked as a feature reporter for local stations around the country and joined CBS News in 1998. You, you get all that right? Okay, I understand. Right. I don't remember any of that. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing a piece of your visit with us. Oh, we appreciate it very much. Are you going to make us cry? I'm <laughs> not here on this set, no. <laughs> you know, I learned while researching for this an interesting thing. You and I were born the same month in the same year. Uh, There's a disappointing <laughs> aspect to that story, though. That you're two weeks old. I'm older, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> and then you go to Boulder. Bowling Green State uh, University up the road, and mm -hmm. I go to EKU, and you know, very similar campuses, and uh, so anyway, uh, the same timeline in this in this business. Uh, your career really is a testimony to uh, the everybody has a story uh, mm -hmm. theme that uh, the brand you've used over the years. How do you know when you found one of those stories? Well, I used to think stories were rare things until I did this project you're talking about. Everybody has a story where we literally threw a dart at a map of America, went there got the local phone book and picked somebody at random out of the phone book and did their story. I did that for about seven years. And that was, I was to say career altering, but also almost life altering because I was surprised at how many emotional, positive, life-affirming stories there were in literally everybody, every person. Because you, you watch a lot of news and sometimes you think, oh my gosh, this world's a terrible place. But when you get down one-on-one -on -one and meet folks, um, they're good. Everyone's good. I is it always important to remember like that. that? Remember that there's, you know, the human it spirit. It is. It is really kind. is. You know, sometimes I think about retiring because you and I are getting old. I guess I'm two weeks older than you, so maybe you're not there yet. But uh, you start to think about retirement, and what keeps me going sometimes is um, I feel like we need this. We need to be reminded as much as possible that we're still very much alike, and we're still very much good. Uh, you know, you have so many stories over the years. Are there any that just stand out to you that really were those uh, life-altering moments for you? I'm often asked, what's my favorite story? Yeah, it's like, it being, it's I, like I picking your favorite child, and right. I can do that most times. But <laughs> <laughs> changes, but uh, picking my favorite story, if I had to, um, I once did a story about a little girl named Nora who was in a grocery store. She's four years old, and she just feels this urge to give this old grumpy man in the grocery store a hug. She didn't know that he was depressed, had no reason to live, had lost his wife, and they've become best friends. And I love that story because it's just such a simple act of kindness, a hug, and how that can really change somebody. So that's kind of symbolic, I guess, of maybe why I do what I do. Yeah, one of my favorites, uh, the stories that you did uh, about your father, mm. um, who, uh, you know, just, uh, a, a true gritty American, uh, yeah. and it was it was, it was great to, to to see because you had to, it's it's as though 
without knowing it, you had planned that story all of your life. Yeah, I did. I'd done many stories on my dad because he was just such a hoot. He was funny without any intention of being funny. And for a while, CBS was just sending us on vacation together. <laughs> what a boondoggle was that? Like, take your dad to the Grand Canyon. Take your dad to this national park, that national park. Uh, but stories like that, I think people like them because they see some of themselves in them. You know, they see their own father. What is it like to be a part of the, the tradition of CBS News? You know, this, the on-the-road uh, mm. franchise goes back to Charles Kuralt and, uh, and, and, of course, Walter Cronkite, very serious about the news and wanted a little lighter way to end it, and, uh, and they came up with his on-the-road reports. Uh, in many ways, is your uh, career a continuation of that? Well, the biggest compliments I ever got because I'd been doing stories like this for a long time but I get a phone call saying we want to rebrand your segment on the road and Charles Corral had been gone a long time they hadn't used on the road that that name for 20 years probably but just the fact that they wanted to tie me even in the most remote way to Charles Corral who if people don't know him they should google him and watch a couple stories and they'll see why you and I are as passionate about this man as we are um, that was the best compliment of my career. Won a lot of awards, but nothing compares to the day they named this segment on the road. They never put you out in an RV, though, right? No, they didn't. Now, <laughs> now we fly. Yeah. Uh, when others are covering, uh, you know, controversy in Washington, raw politics, shootings uh, that, uh, that, that go on, disasters around the world, do you uh, enjoy that, uh, that special place that, uh, that you get to occupy? I mean, really, it's an honor to be one of the few who gets to tell those kinds of stories. Why is that that I'm one of the few? That's what I can't quite understand yeah. because I'm covering 99% of America. I think that 1%, that animosity, that acrimony, uh, that hatred for the other is, such, is not who we are. Um, so I just think it's a shame that there's yeah. not more time devoted to the other 99% And I agree. When I'm asked that question in public sometimes, I, I will say, you know, well, we don't cover the banks that didn't get robbed today. Um, yeah, for the it, plane that landed safely. Right. Uh, what's the fallacy there? The fallacy is that we think that there has to be something dramatic for a story to be relatable or, or interesting. Um, I think that we don't cover family and faith very much, even though that's really what matters most to people. Family and faith, they're not really, you know, it's not a plane that crashes or a bank that gets robbed, but it's what people can relate to and what they can be inspired by. And I think there are good stories there to be mined. It's just not as easy as covering two guys yelling at each other across a room in Washington. There's inherent drama there. It takes a little more finesse to get to make an interesting story out of something that's maybe a little more average, but I'd say it's, it's as important, if not more important. Do you find that there is more that uh, unites us than pulls us apart? Definitely, one-on-one. -on -one. Um, people say different things when they're typing in their computer on social media than they would say across a table. One-on-one, -on -one, there's a lot more that unites us, and that's not just some catchphrase. I mean, I believe it, I see it. I'm out, I'm, there's not a place in this country I haven't been within 50 miles of it. I know this country about as well as anybody. And there's not a place where I'm not welcome, where I don't see people loving the other, Democrats and Republicans getting along, working together side by side, different religions. That's who we are. We become different people sometimes when we're watching our cable news or we're commenting on our social media posts. And we just need to remember who we, who we are. And that's the, there's two sides of us. And that side that can speak in the dark when we're alone and watching TV, 
that's 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 not who we are. I mean, people really are, you know, as you say, it would appear at least, you know, are, are, are backed off in the corners right mm -hmm. now, and 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 there is all of this space for for common ground. Yeah, they're backed in their corners, but only in that limited world, not. Not here at this workplace, not at most workplaces. People are getting along, they're pulling together, they're rooting for the same teams, they're you know, working for the same company in unison, they're going to the same churches. I don't, I don't see it. Is the, the old brand true, does everybody have a story? Yeah, everybody does have a story. Well, 99% of everybody <laughs> has a story. And once the dart once hit normal <laughs> Illinois and I got somebody exceedingly normal. <laughs> so, but by and large, everybody has a story. You're meeting with uh, students and uh, supporters over at Georgetown College. We were talking about what a week they've had. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, uh, and then the, those who are accompanying you said, well, the buildup has been to Steve Hartman's visit to campus. <laughs> yeah, so, which I find uh, hard to believe. <laughs> uh, but it, there has been a lot of buzz. You should know that. That, by the way. Well, that's very flattering because I look excited. at it as just I do a little two and a half minute segment on the news, you know, once a week. I don't quite see the reason for the buzz. But you uh, touch people, you I'm, know that. You know that uh, people get choked up when they yeah. watch those pieces. And it was never ever my intention to make people cry. <laughs> Trying to make people happy. I don't know what happened. You think you've made more people cry than anybody in the country? <laughs> uh, Even you? Uh, it, it's happened. <laughs> uh, what, what will you be relating to students? You told me you don't do a lot of this. You, I you, don't. You, you're, I don't. You're a quieter person that stays home and, and, and I, with right. the family, huh? Well, I'm going to be talking to the students and to the supporters about some of the same things we've talked about. And this is a message that I think is going to resonate with people at Georgetown College, especially because it's a, in large part what they're all about. So I'm, more, I'm most comfortable with I'm, when I'm with people who value kindness and, and value compassion and community service. So this will be, um, be a home place for me. All right. Thank you so much for coming by. Really do appreciate it, and Thank I hope you, you have a have a, a good visit there. and the, And we appreciate a little moment of your time. Thank you, Steve Hartman from CBS News. Stay with us now on WKYT. Kentucky Senate Majority Leader Damon Thayer will be with us next. We'll look back at the 2019 legislative session that has just wrapped up. And yes, things did get a little tough over there. <laughs> we are back in a moment. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers. So good to have you along. The 2019 Kentucky legislative session is over. Lawmakers sent close to 200 bills to Governor Bevin, and there were some new laws of the land passed. Helping manage a lot of that legislation is the majority leader in the upper chamber, State Senator Damon Thayer, a Republican of Georgetown. Welcome. Good to see you. Bill, it's great to be back. Thanks for having so me. So this is sort of like uh, Scott County's week here on uh, Kentucky Newsmakers. We, uh, we had the Georgetown NAA Championship. National Champions. Uh, Ivanka Trump was over in town this week. and uh, It was great to have her at the Toyota plant. And Steve Hartman has just uh, talked to us uh, here from uh, CBS News about uh, being kinder and gentler in America. So uh, there you go. That leads on to you, Senator. Thanks for coming. I, I, I'm a kind and gentle kind of guy, Bill. <laughs> Everybody right. knows that. <laughs> Let's talk about what happened in the General Assembly uh, now that uh, this session is over. What was the most important thing that uh, was passed this year? I think the pension bill that passed uh, on the last night and the last hour that will uh, provide a way forward for quasi-governmental agencies like rape crisis centers and uh, health, uh, health departments and the regional universities like EKU, NKU, Western, Murray, Mur uh, Moorhead, K-State, uh, 
this is a significant piece of pension reform. It freezes their contribution rate for a year, and then on the back end of that, it provides a path forward to a more sustainable pension plan for their employees, and that is in the long term going to be good news for Kentucky taxpayers. It takes them out of the pension system, so it costs the pension system an estimated $800 million next year. Uh, is that a concern to you that that's destabilizing? I, it, I don't think it'll destabilize it, but it, it is the best on a list of bad solutions. There, there is no good solution uh, to this pension crisis that we are in, but this, uh, this was a really good effort worked out between a, a team of dedicated people in the House and the Senate, and it's, it's the best of the worst solutions. How is the pension situation to be addressed long term? Well, if you look at everything that we've done so far, the only thing that has not been tackled is structural reform to the teacher's retirement system. And Bill, I'm going to pre-file BR number one this coming week which will be a clean TRS reform bill. That's the first time we've seen anything like that in the, in the Senate. I'm going to put it out there. It'll be on the website, uh, the LRC website. I will ask the teacher's retirement system to score it. And it is a good starting point for us to discuss potential reforms to teacher's retirement because all of the other systems now have had some level of structural reform. We're also fully funding our pensions. So the, the, the funding side of it is the best news but we've got to make structural reforms and I'm going to continue to strongly advocate for that for the teachers retirement system on a going forward basis. Can you give us some idea of what that might include? Yeah, it's, uh, there's going to be no, I'm going to recommend no changes for current retired teachers. I'm going to recommend that future teachers go into a hybrid cash balance plan like everyone else in the KERS and CERS is in. And then there are three items for current teachers that are outside the inviolable contract. Uh, sick day spiking, the 3% benefit, uh, the 3% the, the benefit factor after 30 years, and the high three. I think the high three needs to go to a high five. I think we need to eliminate the 3% benefit factor after 30 years, uh, and I believe there, that we should no longer allow sick day spiking from a date certain. My proposal would be just like Senate Bill 151. You get to keep what you have and use it to enhance your pension, but after a certain date, those sick days can be used what they're for, which is sick days, uh, or you can take a 30% payout on them when you retire. I support that. But at a date certain, no more accrual of sick days for pension spikes. So you're acknowledging here and now that this is a starting point for discussion. Your, well, your bill it, would be a starting It's what point. I think we should do. Right. Otherwise, I wouldn't well, you know there will it be, my there name There will be it. considerable pushback, as there was this year, and even uh, to get something uh, to uh, the floor was not possible uh, this year because of the uh, apparent political pressures. I'm not afraid to take on the tough battles, Bill, and I think I've proven that in my career, and this is the biggest issue facing Kentucky, and I'm going to lead on it. There's been a, a declaration that uh, the uh, school safety bill uh, will be funded next year. It passed. You also consider that to be very important legislation. But again, there are some who say, well, it at this point amounts to resolution. It's, it's a lot of rules, uh, and schools have to figure out uh, what to do, but uh, no funding yet. But you say that will be done next year. Do you believe that will happen? Yes. But first of all, I, I want to point out that in last year's budget, schools received a record amount of funding for school safety, safety through the Kentucky Center for School Safety, a record amount. 
Second of all, uh, for people to diminish what we did on SB1, is they, they really ought to be ashamed. This was a year-long, contemplative, bipartisan working group that traveled the state, took input from students and teachers and administrators and parents and stakeholders, and crafted an excellent bipartisan piece of legislation that will make our schools safer. And yes, I do believe that we will find more money to put into school safety next year. Some have said a dedicated revenue stream. Do you think that's important? Well, I'm not much for dedicated revenue streams because we have a process in place in the Constitution that says every two years the people who have been elected in the previous election cycles get to decide how to spend that money. Is next year going to be a session where uh, where state government goes trying to find revenue? Uh, there is, of course, as we know, a divide between uh, the conservatives and liberals uh, in Kentucky on this as to what areas that state government should be into, but there are also many people on all sides who say our tax code does not let Kentucky enjoy the prosperity that the, that the country uh, has going right now. Well, I, I would disagree with that. The numbers prove that the policies we passed over the last three years are working. We just had a huge new job announcement in Meade County. I, I think there will be revenue growth from job growth that's the best way to get more revenue is to create more jobs and create more taxpayers at this and point I, though people center keep waiting we we face a shortfall in this year's budget it it, there, it appears there won't be the money to fund this year's budget and there were cuts across state government and to public universities in this budget well as a, a, a tax uh, a tuition paying parent at nku i'm well aware of the uh, the pressures being brought on our universities. But look, I'm not going to be for a broad-based tax increase. We took step one on tax reform last year, and we're not getting the credit for it. People, including people like you, have been asking me for years, when are you going to do tax reform? We did it last year. We took the first step. We want to lower the rates on, on the personal income and corporate tax rates, and grow the base through a consumption tax. And we took the first step last year. We lowered the personal income tax rate from six to five percent, and we applied the sales tax to a host of services. And we got $400 million in additional revenue. I truly believe that those who are calling for more revenue will never be happy until they get all the money. In the meantime, we will continue to make thoughtful, contemplative changes to our tax code that make us more competitive with places like Indiana, Tennessee, Texas and Florida and that means we need to move away from taxes on production and move to taxes on consumption. What about when people uh, talk about uh, alternatives such as uh, sports betting which uh, came up this year but uh, did not uh, didn't pass? I, I'm, I'm, I'm for sports wagering. I think we already have legal sports wagering in Kentucky. It's called paramutual wagering on horse racing. It's part of our history and our tradition. It's a huge driver in our tourism and our agriculture economy. And, and I think we should have sports wagering in Kentucky. And I look forward to, to working with Representative Adam Koenig, Senator Julie Adams, Senator Morgan McGarvey uh, on trying to get a sports betting, sports wagering, as I like to call it, bill passed next year. The, the, the issue this year is it, it had an appropriation and a tax rate in it. So in the short session, it required the three-fifths supermajority vote threshold. That was always a toss-up that we were going to be able to get that in the House and the Senate. I believe Representative Koenig was pretty close to getting 60 votes uh, and probably just fell a little short, which is why the bill wasn't called on the floor. It did get out of committee. 
I think next year with a lower vote threshold, it just requires a simple majority next year, I think we can pass sports betting. It looked like medical marijuana was a, a go this year, early in the session, uh, and there was a lot of uh, activism for that. Uh, ultimately, uh, it, it, it didn't go to the, to the Senate or didn't uh, didn't fare well over there. The, the it passed House Committee, it didn't get called for a vote on the right. House floor. Uh, so uh, does that, uh, is that something that you think will happen over time, or is that uh, still so controversial? that it uh, is, is not for Kentucky right now. We don't have the votes for it in the Senate right now, and I think that as people see some of the problems other states are having as they implement various forms of marijuana laws, there's a bit of a reluctance to jump into the fray. But, but as it pertains to revenue, remember, Bill, in Kentucky, we don't tax pharmaceuticals. So if you're going to sell medical marijuana as something that helps make people deal with a variety of diseases and maladies, it's probably not going to be taxed. So recreational marijuana is not going to pass anytime soon. That you could tax and, and raise money, but it's not going to pass. So I think medical marijuana advocates need to continue to sell it for its efficacy as a treatment for various afflictions and not talk about it as a revenue raiser. Senate Majority Leader Damon Thayer is with us here on Kentucky Newsmakers and we'll talk more about what did and didn't happen in this legislative session when we come right back. Welcome back to WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers. Our remaining moments here with the Senate Majority Leader in Frankfurt, and that is Damon Thayer, who is a Republican of Georgetown. You represent Scott and... Scott Grant in Southern Kenton County, so part of Central and part of Northern Kentucky. How long have you been there now? Since 16 years yeah, in Pountain. Yeah, all right. Uh, let's talk about, uh, we, we've talked about some of what did and did not happen. It was, there were some social issues that uh, were uh, priorities of the Republican Party. Uh, there's the uh, the conceal and carry law was changed here. We like to call it the permitless carry bill. Yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, do you have, uh, you know, obviously there were concerns by some that uh, no training will now be required. Well, when the framers of our Constitution gave us right to keep and bear arms in the Second Amendment, they didn't say that you had to go to government to get permission and training and pay a fee to do so. Uh, it's, it's really pretty simple, Bill. Currently in Kentucky, it is legal to open carry without a permit. So if I walked around with my Glock on my hip, not covered by a jacket, it's, it's legal. But the minute I button my jacket and cover up that, that uh, sidearm, it's a felony. So once Senate Bill 150 goes into law, uh, you, can, you can open carry without a permit. We are the 16th state to pass such a law in the other 15 states that have passed permitless carry. They have seen a rise in concealed carry permits because you still need it for reciprocity to carry your weapon into states that don't have open carry. And they've seen a decrease in violent crime and there have been no reports of problems because of a lack of training. Do you anticipate that a lot of people will continue to get a, a go through the training and get a permit? Absolutely, I, I do. That, that's what's happened in other states and I, and I think, I think law-abiding gun owners are responsible and they want to be trained. I have a concealed carry permit. When it's up in five years, I'm going to go through the renewal process to, to do so. But uh, this is a good bill, and it's something that those of us who are strong believers in the Second Amendment have been fighting for for a long time, and I'm, and I'm glad that we got it passed. There were some abortion bills that went through. They were passed. Uh, they were sent to the governor. He signed them. Uh, that would make them the law of the land. But federal courts 
have said no at uh, at this point and have, uh, have have at least put those on hold until they can be reviewed. Uh, are there concerns about the, the the costs of the legal battles ahead on those bills? No, you know, there's not because we're a very conservative pro-life state, and this these pro-life bills were bottled up at the hands of Greg Stumbo for so long when the Democrats con controlled the House, and so. We, we want to throw everything we can at uh, the pro-life issue. And, you know, frankly, those of us who, who believe in this do not put a price on life. And we passed these bills knowing that some would be challenged in court, not all, but some. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to see us carry, carry it out. I know that our Attorney General, Andy Bashir won't defend them, which is his job, but I know that the governor and his team will, and I have confidence. And uh, I hope that maybe one day Kentucky's efforts to lead the way on pro-life will, will go all the way to the Supreme Court. The Secretary of State's uh, powers were clipped as far as uh, responsibility over state elections. Uh, this Secretary of State and those going forward, uh, do you feel that was necessary? Well, I sponsored the bill, so clearly I, I felt it was necessary, and I, I, I spent a lot of uh, time and energy getting that bill passed. Uh, you know, there have been shenanigans in the current Secretary of State's office. Uh, Allison Lundergan Grimes is currently under a federal consent decree that she's ignoring uh, to clean up our voter rolls and she's currently being investigated by three different agencies including an independent counsel uh, established by Attorney General Andy Bashir, a member of her own party. And I think with technology uh, there, is, there is more easy access to the voter rolls and I believe she accessed it improperly and now uh, it will be a misdemeanor to abuse or misuse access to the voter rolls. And I think going into the important gubernatorial elections this year, the voters of Kentucky needed to have a message from the General Assembly and the governor that we're going to do everything we can to protect the integrity of our database. You were not able to pass a bill that would have kept cases involving state government from automatically going to court in Franklin County. Uh, there, you, you couldn't get the traction for that in the legislature. It passed the Senate. Uh, it did not pass the House. But sometimes good ideas take a few years, and this is something we've been working on for a long time. And I, I predict that President Stivers will bring that bill back again next year. The, uh, real quickly, the workforce requirements that the governor has wanted for the Medicaid beneficiaries in Kentucky is also on hold by the courts. We, we have a lot going on right now where things are on hold by the courts in Kentucky. Uh, do you think ultimately that uh, that will get through? And if it does not, or would you be supportive of, as he has said, dismantling the expansion? If uh... I, I would be in support of dismantling the expansion, which was put into place by an executive order by former Governor Steve Bashir. The Medicaid expansion, which is basically Obamacare, was not passed by the legislature. As a matter of fact, the Senate tried to, we voted it down. Greg Stumbo killed it in the House. I think the governor's taken the right steps here. People who are able-bodied but getting Medicare, they need to prove that they're working or volunteering, doing some sort of level of community service. It's a good step. Senator Thayer, thank you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Kentucky Newsmakers. Make it a good week ahead.